0: like this, make it pop like this, knock like this, make it drop like this, One time like this, make it pop like this, make it knock like this, One time like this, make it pop like this, knock like this, make it drop like this. Stewart told me how much he liked that song. He's like, man, that video of Bo last week touched my heart. And then you brought in that jam. And I was like, I can't be sad anymore. I want to dance. <laughs> anyway, uh, I want to start with a question, question for you today. Let me ask you this question. Have you, have you ever wronged somebody? Have you ever wronged somebody? Maybe it was unintentional. Right? Like, I mean, maybe it was like you just—you were joking, you were being sarcastic, and then it just went too far, and you didn't expect that it would go that far. But it just—it went a little too far, and so you ended up hurting somebody's feelings. Or, 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 or maybe it was intentional. You know, maybe, maybe if we were truthful, maybe if we were honest, somebody got you, and you were going to tag them back. But maybe you, you tagged them back a little bit too hard. You know, and so you—you you ended up getting back at somebody. You know, you were a bit vengeful. Or, or maybe you were jealous, and maybe you kind of attacked somebody, or you hurt somebody's reputation. Or maybe you just kind of, you know, there's somebody kind of prideful, and you just want to knock them down a peg or two, you know. And so maybe you maybe you did it that way, and maybe you, if you were honest, you were you were wrong. Or maybe you were just having a bad day, you know. Maybe you just, you're having a bad day, you had a bad attitude, your emotions were high, and you, you hurt somebody. You know, I, we've all done it, right? I mean, we've all wronged somebody before and we've put ourselves in this this position that nobody likes to be in this position where we're really at the mercy of the other person and when we put ourselves at the mercy of the other person and we wait for their response i mean we, we never know what they're going to do right maybe they're going to seek revenge after us maybe we tag them they're going to tag us back uh, you know maybe they ignore us maybe they shun us maybe they don't talk to us anymore uh, you know, we don't know. But, but every once in a while, have you ever experienced this? H- have you ever had someone forgive you? Man, what does that feel like? What does that feel like? When you have somebody, I mean, you've done something wrong to somebody, intentional or unintentional. You've wronged or hurt somebody, and they, I mean, sometimes you didn't even have to apologize, and they forgive you. And they let it go, or, or they say it's, it's all right. And maybe sometimes there's still uh, a tension there. Maybe sometimes there's some trust that's been torn down. But the, the point is, is they say, hey, just want you to know, I do forgive you. I do forgive you. What does that feel like? I'll tell you what it should feel like. It should feel like it's a gift I didn't deserve, right? I mean, it's, it feels like a gift, and when somebody gives us that gift, I mean, you're, you're impressed by that person, right? Because you're like, are you, are you sure? It's almost like we second-guess the gift. Like, are you, are you sure you're okay? And we always, I feel like we always ask that when people are like, hey, I'm good. Are you, though? <laughs> are you really good? No, I'm fine. Are you really fine? Because we feel like you shouldn't be because if I was in your seat, I don't know if I'd be able to do what you just did. And so it it feels like a gift, a gift that I didn't deserve. But when somebody gives you that gift, you are impressed. You're not only impressed that they were able to give you that gift, you're impressed how well they're able to move on, how they're able to still work, how they're able to go on, how they're able to, to date again or have a relationship again, how they're able to still have a, a, a friendly conversation with you, or a friendly relationship with you. When, when somebody does that, it's, wow, quite impressive. If you're just joining us uh, in this series, we're in part two of our series called Baggage. And the question, the th- thing we're talking about is how to deal with trauma in our life. You know, sometimes people hurt us. Things happen to us. We, we go through experiences, um, and, and they change us. Things happen. And, and, and sometimes that, that baggage that we hold, we, we hold it for, for quite some time. We, we have things happen to us in our life, and we have this baggage that we carry on. Experiences that happened to us when we, were, when we were kids, experiences in past relationships and people we dated, people we worked with, sometimes people we don't even know. And we go through these traumatic experiences, and, and we never move on from them. There's something that kind of hardens our heart. There's a, we talked last week how there's a B.C. and A.D., right? A before crisis and after devastation. But there's this event that changes us. How do we move on from that? Because I know I'm in this A.D., I'm in this after devastation season of my life. How do I move on from this? And so the first step that we talked about last week is to answer this question that Jesus asked. Do you want to get well? And Jesus came to this paralyzed man And the first thing that Jesus asked him is, hey, do you want to get well? And the answer is obvious to to every single one of us. But the thing is, is that in the story of the paralyzed man, he he had excuses. And they were valid excuses, but still excuses. And he put it on other people. And we talked about this. We talked about before you can be better, you have to make the decision to get better. You have to say, yeah. I do want to get well. That is the first step to pre-decide, to make the decision, I am going to move on from this. I'm going to get better, and I'll never be able to be better until I make the decision to start to get better. But just like the paralyzed man, we, we put it on other people. Well, the person who hurt me, they haven't fill in the blank. I'm still waiting on them to fill in the blank. I need them to understand. I need them to apologize. I need them to, you know, fill in the blank. And we talked about how when we do that, we empower the person who hurt us. We put it back on them. And we say, hey, I'm I'm not able to move on until you correct what you took from me. But that empowers them and we don't want to do that i mean we talked about this wouldn't it be nice wouldn't it be nice to be able to move on not because of them but despite them not because they fill, filled in the blank because to be honest with you anytime a person does do whatever it is fill in the blank it, it's still not ever good enough no apology is going to make up for what they did sometimes no justice is going to make make up for the injustice that, that, they, that was that was done to us and so The first thing we have to face is, do you want to get well? To make the decision to get better. And then we're able to begin the journey of being better. Now, this is the second part. And this is where we get into the nitty gritty. And this is going to be, for some of you, this is going to be the hard part of the conversation. And you probably already know where it's going. And you probably already know what's going to come up. And you probably heard this a thousand times before. But hopefully, I'm hoping that if we talk about this the right way, because we don't always talk about it in the right way, especially in the church, I hope that you'll start to see that there is something to this next step. And the next step is this, is to forgive, right? You saw it coming a mile away. You knew, you've heard this before, and you're like, I hate this part, right? Because forgiveness at its core is what? Forgiveness at its core, it's it's canceling a debt, right? I mean, think about it. When somebody hurts somebody else, a debt is formed. Somebody owes somebody something. You took something from me. You owe me time, time that I lost. You owe me an apology. You, You owe me money. You owe me those years, that relationship, that marriage, that time you took away from me, you owe that back. Man, all the time that I had to spend going to counseling, all the time that I, I, was, I was tearful and I was sad and I was depressed and the anxious, I mean, you took something from me. You took my 20s from me. You took my youth from me. You took my security from me. You took my confidence from me. You took it from me. And so now a debt is formed, right? Wherever there is pain, there is a debt. Wherever there is pain, there is a debt. And so when somebody hurts us, when somebody wrongs us, a debt is formed. And then what do we do next? Then we wait for the debt to be paid. And we wait and we wait and we wait. And while we wait, what do we do? We play it back in our head, right? We, we play back the words that we were said. We play back the trauma. We, 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 we play back the arguments. We, we play back everything that happened, and, and we think to ourselves exactly what they owe us. We think about what exactly they took from us, how exactly they hurt us, and we play it back in our head over and over again, and we're just waiting. And, and, and as we wait, and as we fester, and as we're bitter, and as we're angry, which is completely normal to do, what happens? The debt adds up. The debt adds up so much that, quite honestly, I'm not sure they could ever pay us back. And and, and what happens is, is as the debt rises, very rarely in in the serious cases where where the trauma is so great, does does the person ever come back and pay the debt off. They never come back with an apology. They never come back. and and give us answers they never come back and let us get off of our chest what we want to get off our chest to help them understand how much they hurt us i mean we've been thinking about it for years now and we just need them to understand we just need a face-to-face confrontation so i can help them understand exactly what they took from me what they owe me and it rarely ever comes but while we hold on to the debt and things fester, and bitterness grows, and anger grows, it's something going on inside of us, but it's something that other people see. It's something that that other people notice, right? Kate and I, COVID changed us. We, We watch trash reality TV shows now. I mean, during the pandemic, there was nothing to watch. You know what I mean? I mean, it just, Tiger King came out, and it was downhill from there. I mean, I've, I confess that to you right now. Uh, I mean, there's nothing to do during lockdown. And so we just started watching trash reality TV show. And we found this show called Love is Blind on Netflix. Have you watched this? It's where there's some fans. Cool. We'll start a group after church. Um, but what happens is these these people come together in these pods. There's, there's, there's a wall between them. They can't see each other. And all they can do is talk to one another. And what they do is in like a seven day time period by the end of the week they propose to somebody having never seen them only hearing their voice and having conversations with them and so they keep this journal and this notebook on one another and then they pop the question and then they get married five weeks later and move in together and begin their life it, it's a trash tv show i'm telling you ah, it's very interesting and so anyway like i watched this and i mean all of these people kate likes it <laughs> this is so bad kate likes it because she says they're people our age they're not like hot twenty-year-olds. They're like they're thirty-five-year-olds that like need to move on, you know. And like she's like, these are our people. I'm like, are these our people? That's so sad. Anyway, uh, but it's interesting because I watch these people and they tell a lot of their story. And I mean, these people have trauma in their life. They have had some things happen to them. And I mean, when you watch these these people, I mean, they're like characters, but they're real people and they're real stories. I mean I look at this and I'm like oh my gosh these people have so much to forgive other people for (laughs) these people have so much baggage and you can just see how time has gone on past relationships past marriages things that have happened between them and their parents life that all this baggage has built up and they have a hard time trusting somebody else giving themselves to somebody else because there, it, there's so much baggage, but there's also so much debt in that baggage. I mean, there are some people that owe them some answers, and there's some unresolved stuff. And that's the thing. And they get in these relationships, and then at some point, somebody goes, Hey, what's your problem? You're a weirdo, you know? I mean, Nick's at the altar sweating like a crazy person. And you're like, this guy needs help. He's got baggage. This guy needs Jesus Christ right now, you know? And so you watch these people deal with this and you just, you see it, right? And that's the thing. At some point, somebody sees it in your life. One of your coworkers, your family, your parents, a friend. When you do get into a relationship and they go, hey, you, you got some baggage. You got some stuff. And it's bitterness, it's anger, it's trust issues, it's, self, it's self-confidence self issues. And it's because the debt has festered. And at some point, somebody tells you, you need to move on. At some point, somebody tells you, hey, you're a Christian. You should really let this go. And what does it feel like when they tell you that? It, it feels like I have this unresolved, unanswered, inconclusive pain. Unresolved, unanswered, inconclusive pain pain. So now what do I do? Because that person hasn't come back and paid the debt that they owe me. And the answer, not for their sake, but for yours, is to forgive. And so we're going to talk about that today. And see, the disciples, they had the same problem. They had the same questions, the same questions you have for Jesus. Because when Jesus started talking about forgiveness, and he started talking about forgiveness a lot, He started to put all these different new twists and turns and rules and conditions on forgiveness and forgiveness between God. And I mean, their mind was blown because in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant... All you had to do was go slaughter an animal, put them on the you know put them on the, the altar, and it was between you and God, and and God forgave you know. And I mean, if you you sinned, you atoned for your sin by making a sacrifice. Then you made a sacrifice. It went up to God. God and you were good, and then God continued to bless you. So it was just up, down, up, down. But then Jesus starts to talk about forgiving other people and loving other people. And if you don't forgive other people, then God's not going to forgive you. And everybody's like, whoa, 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 you're changing the rules of the game, Jesus. Hold on here. So they had a ton of questions. And so one day, they're they're, they're talking, and they're talking about this. And and, and Peter clearly had somebody who had wronged him in his life. And not just wronged him once, but had wronged him multiple times. And so Peter has this, this question for Jesus. And it's about this particular situation. And so this is what he says. Peter came to Jesus, and he said, Lord... How many times, though, should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? And and he throws out a number out there. He goes, up to seven times? Now, if you don't know, when we get into numbers in in the Bible, some of them are specific, but some of them are, you know, symbolic. And so when he says seven times, that just means, like, a lot. So Peter, I mean, he's saying, hey, Jesus, you know, let's get specific here. How many times should I forgive somebody? Jesus don't you think a lot of times is good? I think a lot of times. A lot of forgiveness is good. I, I forgive people a lot of times. You know, but still, there's a line. You know, It's not, it's not infinite. It, he's saying a lot of times, but at some point, right? I mean, come on. You can't be taken advantage of, right? So this is, this is Peter's idea of how much you should forgive. And he throws it out to Jesus. And he goes, is that enough? And this is how Jesus answered. Jesus says, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. So Jesus throws that back at him, and basically, Jesus is kind of telling a joke. Jesus is going, you know, again, that number's not specific, because some of you go, oh, 77 times? Okay, I'll get there, and then I'll stop, right? He's just saying, like, no, take that number, Peter, and, you know, multiply it. Multiply it by even more. How about, how about even go even further? And Peter's looking at him like, man, are you crazy? Like, we've never heard anything like this before. I don't know if I should, how literal I should take you. And so before Peter can even say another word, like, he's obviously got that, that, that look on his face. And, and Jesus breaks out into a parable like he did many times. He's like, let me tell you a story. And so this is the story that he tells him. He, he says to him, he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, so that you know how much money this is, this is like millions and millions of dollars, okay? 10,000 bags of gold, that's a lot of money. This is a debt that nobody in that time could pay, okay? This is an uh, this is a unpayable debt. This man never, it would take him 10 lifetimes to tr- pay this debt off. So it's not going to happen. So he gets called in front of him, and then this is what happens next. Since he was not able to pay the debt because it was way too big, the master, the king, ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. So the king is basically like, you know what? He is not going to pay me back. I'm going to cut my losses. I'm going to sell them into slavery. I'm going to make back what I can. You know what? That's, that's fine. I'm just going to cut my losses and be done with it. But then what happens is, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. And he says to him, be patient with me. He begged I will pay back everything, which, by the way, again, was going to be impossible. He was not going to be able to pay it back. But he gets on his knees and he says, be patient with me. I will pay you back. And what do you think happened next? What happened next is the king, the servant's master, the king took pity on him. Now, pity is not a word that we use too often today in 2022 if you don't know what this word means, and even in the Greek translation, it means much the same as the English translation. What that word means is it means to have compassion for somebody. To look, specifically, it means to look at someone's pain and to have empathy. Not sympathy, but empathy. And to choose compassion for somebody else. So this this master, he looks at him and he hears him begging. He hears his words. He knows that he can't pay him back. and, And He has compassion. He chooses compassion for the man. And then it says this. And so he canceled the debt and he let him go. He just, he called it good. He didn't didn't lower the debt. He didn't say, tell you what, let's do 1% of the, you know, all of this that you owe me. No, no. He just cancels the debt and has compassion on the man. He sees his pain, has compassion, cancels his debt, lets him go. He is free as a bird. He's free. And what do you think he does next? Well, this is what he does. The man, servant went out, and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 silver coins. So the man is free. His debt is canceled. He can can be gone. Somebody has just had the greatest amount of, of compassion on him that nobody could possibly understand. And what does he do? He goes and finds somebody who owes him money. And a hundred silver coins, that was like three days worth of work, right? So he goes and finds somebody who owes him this peddly, small amount, three days of work. And he doesn't want to just get paid. This is what he has. This is what he does. It says he grabbed him and began to choke him. I mean, so he goes and he finds somebody who owes him money, and he takes him by the neck. And he says, pay back what you owe me. And he demanded it. I mean, you talk about hypocritical. I mean, he goes out and he hurts somebody who owes him money. After somebody just had compassion for him, he goes out and tries to hurt somebody else and he demands something of them. And then this is what it says next. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me. I will pay you back. Sound familiar? The exact words that the servant used to speak to the master. Be patient with me. I will pay you back. Now he goes and finds a servant of his to pay him back. And the man uses the exact same words. You, you know that that had to trigger something in his head. But what does he do? Instead, it says this. It says he, he refused. Instead, he, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now, a lot of people saw this. A lot of people saw what had just transpired. And I mean, people saw it and they're like, this guy is such a hypocrite. How dare he treat somebody like this after the gift that he just received? So people, the streets start talking and they go to the master, the king, and they tell him what happened. They go, this guy that you just let off the hook, do you know what he went and did to somebody of his? And so the master calls back the servant, and this is what happens. He says, then the master called the servant in. He said, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. You begged me. You begged me for compassion. You begged me for mercy. And what did you do? You went out and found somebody that owed you this small, tiny amount, this nothing, something that he will eventually probably be able to pay him back. And you choked him. You hurt him. You threatened him. You threw him in jail. Who do you think you are? And he goes on. He says, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had had for you? I mean, come on. The, the hypocrisy here is just crazy. So then it says, in anger... In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. So he ended up right back where he was and ended up being put back in, in prison. The master didn't take it out on, on the children or his wife, but he ends up putting him in jail to, to, to pay him back for w- what he did to the other fellow person, the other, his servant of his. And then, I wish I could remove this scripture from the Bible. These are these, these are these types of moments where I'm like, the Bible isn't made up. Because if the Bible was made up and I was trying to, you know, trick people or try to manipulate people into joining my religion or my cult, I would definitely not put this in there. Because this is not a nice thing to hear. I would just scratch this thing off if I could. But it's there. And it's real. And according to Matthew, it's what Jesus said. So this is what Jesus says. He says, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, again, we don't like this very much. We hate this verse. Nobody, this is nobody's life verse. Nobody has this tattooed on their forearm today, okay? No. No. And even sometimes when we hear it, some of you, you grew up in church and you hear it and you're skeptical of it. You're like, uh, are we sure? (laughs) Can we get another translation or something? You know what I mean? Let's hear it. Let's hear it in a different language. Because, I mean, come on. Are you serious? Are you serious? If I don't forgive somebody for what they've done to me, then God is not going to forgive me? That's what he says. According to Jesus, God says, look, if you don't forgive other people in the way that I have forgiven you, then I'm coming after you what? How how can you say that God is love? How can you say that God is a loving God with scripture like that? I mean, come on, that's not loving. That's not merciful. That's not, that's, that's, that's not grace. But here's why Jesus is so serious about this topic. God does love you and God does want what's best for you. And he is trying to help you. But the thing is, is is there's two reasons. There's two reasons why Jesus Jesus is so serious about this and why he wants the disciples to know just how seriously God took it. And the first reason is this, is that God knows to hold on to hurt and bitterness is a self-destructive choice. For you to hang on to that baggage, God is not doing it For the person you're forgiving. He's doing it for you. Because God knows that the longer you hang on to this baggage, the the longer you calculate that debt in your head, the longer you hold on to that hurt and that bitterness, the more self-destructive you will be. The more self-destructive you will be in your next relationship. The more self-destructive you will be at work the more self-destructive you will be in your family, the more self-destructive you will be with your friends. People will see it, and they will notice it on you, and it will keep you from opportunities and experiences and emotions and feelings that God wants you to have and enjoy. But because you choose to hold on to that baggage, you will self-destruct, and you will self-destruct because you made the decision to hold on to it. So God is trying to help us doing it, to do this. Because here's the thing, refusing, refusing to forgive is like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. This is what God knows. God knows that when you don't forgive that person, when you refuse to forgive, look, you're not doing anything to hurt that person. You're only hurting yourself. You're only imprisoning yourself. You're you're, you're only choosing. You're not able to move anywhere else. Well, the person who owes you that debt is flying free and don't care. And God looks at you and goes, look, forgiveness is not so much about them. It's about you. Shouldn't you be able to move on? Well, here's the thing. You won't be able to move on until you are able to forgive. You, you put it in terms of this story that we just read, this parable that Jesus just told. I mean, the, the master, the king, who was dealing with this man, this, this man owed him a debt that could not be paid, and he had to choose what to do, right? And the choices that weren't he had this man who was never going to pay him back, this was not ever going to get anywhere. He was never going to get back what it was owed to him. he had two options in front of him. He either had compassion or frustration. This is what we choose. These are the two options that are in front of you. Either I can be compassionate and I can move on with my life. Or I can choose to be frustrated for the rest of my life. Which one do you want? Compassion or frustration? Compassion or frustration? And I already hear it in your heads. But, 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 but they don't deserve compassion. They don't deserve compassion. And I know that. I know that. Look, I know. If, if, if any of you got up here and we gave you a microphone and, and we, you told your story, every single person in this room would be on your side. We would hear you. We would cry with you. We would agree with you. And we would say, absolutely, you're completely justified in how you feel. That's an awful thing. We would all be on your team. But here's the thing. When you come to this decision and you're choosing either compassion or frustration, you're choosing either unforgiveness or forgiveness, here's the thing, what has unforgiveness ever gotten you? Have you ever met a successful person Have you ever met a person who was able to remarry or who who was able to date again or who restored the relationship with their parents or who was able to trust people again or have confidence again? And, and And you went to them and you said, what's your secret? And you said, I just held a grudge for 10 years. I just kept festering and festering and festering and festering and thinking one day if I could get them, this is all the ugly things that I would do to them. And, you know, I just lived with unforgiveness for 10 years and it's just gotten me so far in my life. You've never met a single person where unforgiveness has paid off for them. So why do it? God is not asking you to forgive them for their sake. He's asking you to forgive for your sake. Look, trust me, God is going to deal with them, okay? We're going to talk about that next week, later on in this series. We're going to talk about leaving room for God's wrath. Look. Your forgiveness does not get them off the hook at all, okay? They're not going to show up to heaven and be like, man, I was going to deal with you, but Mike forgave you, so you're off the hook. That is not how it works, okay? You are not giving anybody a mulligan. This is not even about them. This is about you. God is asking you to forgive them for your sake so that you can be free so that you can heal, so that you can move on. But there is a second reason, and this is probably the most important reason, why you need to forgive, and it's this. To accept something that you deny others is hypocritical. To accept something that you deny other people is hypocritical. We started off this message. I catfished you, okay? Have you wronged somebody? Have you done something to somebody? Have you needed forgiveness? Why, yes. Okay. And and, and that gift, that that gift that they gave you, that that was amazing, right? So how come you expect other people to forgive you, but you're not willing to forgive other people? Why is it that you accept forgiveness from other people, but you deny others the same gift? Isn't that hypocritical? And isn't all all, all the people who are dragged here with your Christian friend, you can say amen. This is the point where you should do it. Isn't this the problem with the church today? Is that the church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites? It's it's like amen. That's good. That's a good place to start. We're going to get you there, okay? Is that the church is filled with people who preach a big game and talk a big game, but don't walk it out, who are all about love and mercy and not judging other people, but then, man, they are sure good at pointing fingers at people and condemning. That's the biggest problem the world has with the church. We talk about this all the time here at Anchored Hope. We're, we're, the, we're the people who don't like hypocrites, right? So isn't it hypocritical of you to accept something that you deny other people? And I know what you're thinking. I'm already ahead of you. Okay, I'm a mind reader. You didn't even know I had this gift, okay? You're already thinking in your head, but I haven't done something as bad as they've done. I don't put me in the same boat as them pastor because I've never done anything near to what they did to me. Don't even act like my what I've done in this life is compared is comparable to what they've done in this life. No, 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 no. We're on two different ballparks here. And, and here's what I want to tell you, and this is, I just want you to track with me. I just want you to listen. When I say this, I do not want you to cut me off because you're going to want to cut me off, but just, just track with me here. The honest truth is, is that you have done something as bad as they have done. I have done something as bad as they have done. You have done something as bad as they have done. We have all done something as bad as they have done. Because our sin forced God to put his son on the cross. And I know you didn't ask for that. I know you don't understand that. But the truth is, is that a long time ago, God tried so many different ways to have a relationship with us again. To get us on the road to recovery, to get us back to the garden, to get us back into a place where we could be whole again and nothing worked. And the only way things could get right was for God to sacrifice his own son on the cross for you and I. So we have done something as bad as that person who's hurt you. Because we forced God to kill his son for us. We forced somebody else to lay his child down and to not intervene and let humanity shed his blood in a horrific way on a cross for everyone's amusement. God had to send his son here on this earth to live among us. And in the end, we killed him for nothing because he got in the way of what we wanted. So really, we have done something as bad as what we've seen in the world. And the thing is, whether you you believe it or you trust it or not, is at the cross, at the cross all of us lost our right to refuse to forgive in the shadow of the cross all of our excuses go away because when God looked at us when God looked at us at everything we had done up until that point in humanity he chose mercy over justice and then he could see into the future, and he knew all of us who would come next. He saw you coming. He knew when you were be born. He knew the hairs on your head. He, he knew that he knew your name. He knew he knew all of this stuff, and he saw all of that. And even in that moment, God knew. God knew how many times you would have an emergency and you would run to him in prayer and you would beg God to do this and to answer this prayer and to do that. And he knew, I'm going to answer that prayer and then they're going to go right back to what they were doing before. God knew how much he was going to bless you and he was going to give you The opportunities, the income, the job, the family, the relationships, how much he was going to give you and how you were going to be a poor steward of it and how you were going to use his money and his relationships that he blessed you with and how you were going to manipulate it for your good time and how you were going to do you. God knew all that. God saw all of those ways you were going to let him down. God saw all of those times you were going to say, God, this is the last time, I promise. I'm never going to do it again. I'm serious. I'm serious this time. I'm serious this time. And how you were, it was not going to be the last time. God saw all of that taking place. And yet still, he chose to love you. Isn't that stupid? Isn't that crazy? Isn't that reckless? Why in the world would he do that? That's just how much he loves you. And the thing is, is that when it comes to you and God, and then you and other people, I want God to show me mercy, and I want God to show them justice. Right? God, show me mercy. God, forgive me. God, I know I've done this like a million times, but I'm back again. God, show me mercy. Please. Come on. Well, what about them? Uh Uh-uh, not them. Mm -mm. No, don't forgive them. Justice, Lord, justice. Grab them by the throat, threaten them, put them in jail, torture them, send them to hell. That's what we do. That's so hypocritical of you, to accept something that you deny other people. And here's the thing. I don't want you to be known for being a hypocrite. And I don't want you as a Christian, I don't want Christianity to be known for being a hypocrite. So, not for their sake, but for yours. And so that you won't be a hypocrite, the option is to forgive. And I know you don't want to. And I know that that's hard. And I'm not saying it's easy. And I know you're not going to feel like doing it, ever. But, But I want you to know this about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a decision. You will never feel like forgiving. It's not a feeling, it's a decision. But it's not a decision to let them off the hook. It's a decision to let yourself off the hook. Not for their sake. It's for yours. And I know I know the classic line, right? Forgive and forget, forgive and forget, forgive and forget. Whoever made that up, we need to share some justice with them is what we need to do. We need to go find that Dr. Seuss person and take them out. But that's not what I'm asking you to do, because here's the thing. What has happened to you and what you've experienced, you will never forget, you won't. You will never forget. It will always be there. And here's what I want you to know, too. I want, I want, again, we're going to talk about this later in the series, but I want you to know that God doesn't forget either. That's a misconception in, in some churches' theology, that, oh, once you ask for forgiveness, it's, just, it's erased. No, 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 no. God don't forget. God forgives, but he does not forget. And, and have no doubt that God will not forget what people have done to us. But also know that God doesn't forget how you treat other people. But what God chooses to do, what's so much, well, how this makes God so much more amazing is that God, in spite of what you've done and what He knows you will probably do, He chooses mercy over justice still. And what He's asking you to do is to choose mercy over justice, to decide to, to choose. To look at the person who hurt you and have compassion for them. To take pity on them. The same compassion that God had for you. The same compassion that God has had for you even though that you played a part in killing His Son on the cross. You had a part in that and I had a part in that and my sin and my selfishness played a part in the crucifixion of Christ. And so God's not asking for me to pay that debt because honestly, I could never pay that debt. I could never give up my son for his son. I would never be able to do that. All he's asking me to do is to show others compassion in the way that he has shown me compassion. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. And we're going to sing a song. It's probably a song you're familiar with. It's called Reckless Love because I feel like this, this song fits the theme of what we're talking about this today because God loves us in such a, a reckless way. The overwhelming, uh, never-ending love of God is so so amazing, so complete, so full, something that I, I don't deserve. But what I want to do with you today is I, just, I want to go through an exercise that, that I've learned in counseling. I want you to stand with me this morning. Go ahead and stand with me. And I want you to just come to kind of an attitude of prayer today. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your fist, and I just want you to ball it up. Just ball it up. Just just kind of stand here and just ball that fist up. you squeeze it as hard as you want. And I want you to close your eyes with me today. If you just bow your heads and close your eyes and just ball that fist up. as we sing this song today and as we worship and as we pray I want you to think about making the decision you probably don't feel like it but to make the decision to forgive today you can't talk to the person you can't make them understand they can't apologize to you but could you make the decision today to forgive and whether it be in the prayer or whether it be in the worship when you're ready to forgive i want you to just take that fist those fists that are balled up right now that want to fight that want to hurt i want you to just open them up and as you open up that fist i want you to just give that to god and say god i i can't do this on my own like i am so angry i'm so bitter i am hurting so bad but you know what I, I, I want to let go because this morning I realized how much you love me how recklessly you've loved me how much you've given me I want to just I need to let this go not because they deserve it not because they've earned it the debt that they owe me oh man they'll never be able to pay it back but you know what I can't pay back the debt that I owe you God so I need to let this go not for their sake but for mine I'm going to pray for you we're going to sing And when you're ready, I want you to just let it go. Father God, as we come to you today with our fists balled up, in this fist are the memories, it's the pain, it's the experiences that we've had. You know exactly what they are. You watched them. You were there. You didn't cause them to happen. You weren't behind them. It was somebody's own selfish desires and selfishness. That brought us to this point and it hurt, God. It hurt so bad. You know how bad it hurt. But God, I have been stuck here for a long time. I've been stuck in neutral here, God. And I I have not been able to move on from this. And I want to move on. I want to move forward. I want to get well. So, God, I'm I'm letting this go. I'm letting this go, and I'm giving this to you, and I'm choosing today to forgive. I want you to to feel that compassion in my heart. I want you to feel that this morning I'm choosing mercy over justice, God. Would Would you feel that in me today, Lord? God, as we sing and as we worship, if there's anybody today who's ready to let go of that pain, I pray that they would just let those fists open and that they would just hold their hands out to you and accept what you want to give them today, Lord. In your name we pray.